Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4, Podcast 91 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. It is from Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, Canto 1C, Episode 3. Podcast 91 is entitled Archimago. In the previous podcast, number 86, the Red Cross Knight defeats the dragon and earns his armor. He and Una and the dwarf, who because of a storm had deviated from the straight and narrow path and wandered in the wilderness seeking shelter. That is how they came upon the dragon's lair. They leave the wild wilderness and get back on the path. Proud of his accomplishment, the Red Cross Knight is unprepared for his next test, which comes in disguise. The three meet a holy man. At length they chanced to meet upon the way an aged sire. In long black weeds he clad his feet all bare, his beard all hoary gray, and by his belt his book he hanging had. Sober he seemed, and very sagely sad, and to the ground his eyes were lowly bent, simple in show, and void of malice bad, and all the way he prayed, as he went, and often knocked his breast as one that did repent. Fooled by appearances, the three feel perfectly safe. Confident in his abilities, the adventurous knight asked the holy man if he knew of any strange adventure that needed his attention. He fair, the knight saluted, louding low, who fair him quitted, as that courteous was, and after asked him if he did know of strange adventures which abroad did pass. Ah, my dear son, quoth he, how should, alas, silly old man that lives in hidden cells, bidding his beads all day for his trespass, tidings of war and worldly trouble tell? With holy father sits not with such things to mail. The old man assures him that he is but a hermit and doesn't meddle with worldly things. However, he does know someone who can answer his question. But if of danger which hereby doth dwell, and home-bred evil you desire to hear, of a strange man I can you tidings tell, that wasteth all this country far and near. Of such, said he, I chiefly do inquire, and shall you well reward to show the place in which that wicked wight his day doth wear. For to all knighthood it is foul disgrace, that such a cursed creature lives so long a space. For hence, quoth he, in wasteful wilderness his dwelling is, by which no living wight may ever pass, but through great distress. The Red Cross Knight, seeking adventure, wants to meet this strange man. It is the same curiosity that enticed him to look into the dragon's lair. He feels it his duty as a knight to challenge such an evil man. Having learned nothing from his first experience, again he desires to run to a battle he never should have fought. 
Una, however, immediately senses danger, and as she warned the red-crossed knight not to get too close to the dragon's den, she warns him again not to go to this wasteful wilderness. Even the sun rests after a weary day, and so should the knight. Now, said the lady, draweth toward night, and well I wot that of your latter fight ye all for wearied be. For what so strong but wanting rest will also want of might? The sun that measures heaven all day long at night doth bait his steeds the ocean waves among. Then with the sun take, sir, your timely rest, and with new day new work at once begin. Untroubled night, they say, gives counsel best. The old man feigns to agree with Una, but it is but an excuse to get them to his home, which is far worse than both the dragon and the pretended wild man in the wilderness. Right well, Sir Knight, ye have advised been, quoth then the aged man, the way to win is wisely to advise, now day is spent. Therefore with me ye may take up your inn. Not knowing that the holy man is a wolf in sheep's clothing, they are taken in by his sly craft. They let their guard down and follow the false priest. The knight was well content, so with that godly father to his home they went. A little lowly hermitage it was, down in a dell, hard by a forest side. Far from resort of people that did pass in travel to and fro, a little wide there was an holy chapel edified, wherein the hermit duly wont to say his holy things, each morn and even tide. Thereby a crystal stream did gently play, which from a sacred fountain welled forth all way. Arrived there, the little house they fill, knee look for entertainment where none was. Rest is their feast, and all things at their will. The old man is subtle, and speaks only of holy things. They are completely put off their guard. The noblest mind the best contentment has, with fair discourse the evening so they pass, for that old man of pleasing words had store, and well could file his tongue as smooth as glass. He told of saints and popes, and evermore he strode with Ave Mary after and before. Exhausted from their former adventures, they retired to their beds. Only after they are asleep does the old man reveal his true intentions. The old man is not as holy as he pretended with all his prayers and holy books. He is Archimago, the arch-magician. He is a sorcerer with tremendous magic. He is Antichrist, and his entire goal is to destroy the Red Cross Knight. This podcast could be entitled, The Wiles of the Devil, for it is the story of how Archimago deceives the Red Cross Knight. Remember, the Red Cross Knight symbolizes the virtue of holiness. This is the story of how he achieves holiness, but the road is rocky. Archimago recognizes Una. He has no power over her, so he focuses his attention on the Red Cross Knight, and the only way he can do that is to get him to separate himself from Una, who symbolizes truth itself. It was Archimago who was the strange man that wasted all the country far and near, in which that wicked wight his days doth wear, for to all knighthood it is foul disgrace that such a cursed creature lives so long of space. Archimago is speaking of himself. Unknowingly they follow Archimago like sheep to the slaughter.
Unto their lodgings then his guests he rides, where when all drowned in deadly sleep he finds, he to his study goes, and there amidst his magic books and arts of sundry kinds, he seeks out mighty charms to trouble sleepy minds. Archimago conjures up evil spirits to do his bidding. Then choosing out few words most horrible, let none them read, thereof did verses frame, with which and other spells like terrible, he bade awake black Pluto's grisly dame, and cursed heaven, and spake reproachful shame of highest God, the Lord of life and light. A bold bad man, that dared to call by name great Gorgon, Prince of Darkness and Dead Night, at which Cositus quakes and Styx is put to flight. And forth he called out of deep darkness dread legions of sprites, the which, like little flies fluttering about his ever-damned head, await whereto their service he applies to aid his friends or fray his enemies. Of those he chose out two, the falsest two, and fittest for to forge true seeming lies, the one of them he gave a message to, the other by himself stayed other work to do. Archimago sends his falsest spirit to the house of Morpheus, whose home is in the bowels of the earth. Morpheus is the god of sleep and dreams. However, Morpheus is asleep and refuses to wake up. The sprite tells Morpheus that he was sent by Archimago and threatens him with the name of Hecate, queen of phantoms and demons in Hades and mistress of witches on earth. The messenger approaching to him spake, but his waste words returned to him in vain. So sound he slept that naught mought him awake. Then rudely he him thrust and pushed with pain whereat he gan to stretch. But he again shook him so hard that forced him to speak. As one in a dream whose drier brain is tossed with troubled sights and fancies weak, he mumbled soft but would not all his silence break. The sprite then gan more boldly him to wake and threatened unto him the dreaded name of Hackety. Whereat he gan to quake, and lifting up his lumpish head, with blame half angry asked him for what he came. Hither, quoth he, me Archimago sent. He that the stubborn sprite can wisely tame, he bids thee to him send for his intent, a fit false dream that can delude the sleeper's scent. The sprite orders Morpheus to send false dreams to the Red Cross Knight. The god obeyed, and calling forth straightway a diverse dream out of his prison dark. As the Red Cross Knight falls asleep, the dark, lustful dream enters his mind. It is a salacious dream. The demon sprite takes upon him the lovely shape of Una. In the counterfeit dream, Una is sensuous, dressed in white covered with a black stole, and framed of liquid air her tender parts. Fooled by the dream, his false conscience tells the Red Cross Knight to fly from Una, for she is an evil seducer. In sort as he him schooled privily, and that new creature born without her due, full of the maker's guile, 
With usage shy, he taught to imitate the lady true, whose semblance she did carry under feigned hue. Thus well instructed to their work, they haste, and coming where the knight in slumber lay, the one upon his hardy head him placed, and made him dream of love's and lustful play, that nigh his manly heart did melt away. Bathed in wanton bliss and wicked joy, they seemed him his lady by him lay, and to him played how that false-winged boy her chaste heart had subdued to learn dame's pleasure's toy. In this prurient dream, Una appears to be brought by Venus, who is also known as Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love and beauty, to seduce him. The true Una, of course, is chaste, fair, and true. But in this dream, she is presented as a seducer and destroyer of knights who are supposed to remain chaste. Unaware that it is an evil dream conjured up by Archimago, the Red Cross Knight is horrified that Una, whom he trusted, is an evil seducer who wants to destroy him and make him break his vows of chastity. Still, it must be observed that the Red Cross Knight willfully remains in the dream world. It is his willful lingering and salacious thoughts that keeps him from learning the truth. Of this great passion of unwanted lust or wanted fear of doing aught amiss, he started up as seeming to mistrust some secret ill or hidden foe of his. Lo, there before his face his lady is. Under black stole hiding her baited hook, and as half-blushing offered him to kiss. With gentle blandishment and lovely look, most like that virgin true, which for her knight him took. All clean dismayed to see so uncouth sight, and half enraged at her shameless guise, he thought have slain her in his fierce despite. The irony, of course, is that it is a false Una, a demon dream of Archimago, whose purpose is to separate the knight from the truth. Without the true Una, the Red Cross Knight becomes vulnerable to Archimago. With the true Una, Archimago can have no power over the Red Cross Knight. The Red Cross Knight should have acted on his first impulse to kill the false Una and awaken from his seductive dream. But the Red Cross Knight first wants to prove that it is not his imagination. In other words, he flirts with evil, and using a righteous purpose, he justifies sin. In the face of his worst enemy, he becomes inactive, demonstrating false charity. Under the pretense of wanting to know if the salacious visions are from Una, he hesitates until it is too late. But hasty heat-tempering with surface-wise, he stayed his hand, and gan himself advised to prove his sense and tempt her feigned truth. Wringing her hands in woman's piteous wise, though can she weep to stir up gentle ruth, both for her noble blood and for her tender youth? As the Red Cross Knight lingers in luxurious dreams, the true Una is still fast asleep with untroubled dreams. The false Una gives answer. Rather than blame herself, she blames fate, or Cupid. And said, Ah, sir, my league lord and my love, shall I accuse the hidden cruel fate and mighty causes wrought in heaven above, or the blind God that doth me thus amate? The blind god is Cupid, the blindfolded god of love and lust. The Red Cross Knight is in a terrible dilemma. 
While the real Una is in another room sleeping her chaste sleep, the Red Cross Knight is dallying with a seducer in a salacious dream conjured up by Morpheus. Nothing she said is true. The Red Cross Knight, who has no discernment, thinks she is real. The dream Una continues. For hope love to win me certain hate, yet thus perforce he bids me do or die. Die is my due, yet rue my wretched state. You, whom my hard avenging destiny hath made judge of my life or death indifferently. Your own dear sake forced me at first to leave my father's kingdom. There she stopped with tears. Her swollen heart, her speech seemed to bereave, and then again begun. My weaker years, captive to fortune and frail worldly fears. The false Una tells the Red Cross Knight to fly and save himself. Fly to your faith for succor and sure aid. Let me not idle in languor and long tears. The Red Cross Knight, still talking to the false Una, asks, Why, dame, quoth he, what hath ye thus dismayed? What phrase ye that were wont to comfort me afraid? The false Una answers that she does it for love. Love of yourself, said she, and dear constraint. Let me not sleep, but waste the weary night in secret anguish and unpitied plate, whilst you in careless sleep are drowned quite. Her strange words makes the Red Cross Knight doubt her truth. Remember, the true Una is at one with truth. It is the Red Cross Knight with the lustful dreams. The true Una is perfect in all of her behavior. It is the Red Cross Knight who doubts his own judgment. It is the Red Cross Knight who confuses a dream with the real thing. The ambiguity rests not with the chaste Una, but with the knight himself. The Red Cross Knight is committed to the strict code of knighthood, but he is unprepared for the ambiguity of life and the wiles of the devil. He cannot discern the dream Una from the real Una who lies asleep in the other room. The dream Una conjured up by Archimago through the powers of Morpheus convinces the Red Cross Knight that she is the true Una. On the one hand, he doubts her word, but on the other hand, he is attracted to her and is hesitant to leave. Her doubtful words made that redoubted knight suspect her truth, yet since no untruth he knew, her fawning love with foul disdain spite he would not shend, but said, Dear dame, I rue that for my sake unknown such grief unto you grew. Assure yourself, it fell not all to ground, for also dear as life is to my heart, I deem your love and hold me to you bound. Ne vain fears procure your needless smart, where causes none, but to your rest depart. Not all content, yet seems she to appease her mournful plaints, beguiled of her art and fed with words that could not choose but please, so sliding softly forth, she turned as to her ease. The Red Cross Knight thinks he has won, but in fact he has lost. He was outwitted. Rather than destroy her as was his first impulse, he lets her live, meaning the false Una, the dream Una, the conjuring of the magician Archimago. Without knowing it, though he kept his chastity, he put himself under Archimago's power. Long after lay he musing at her mood, much grieved to think that gentle dame so light 
for whose defense he was to shed his blood. At last, dull wearied of former fight, having rocked asleep his irksome sprite, that troublesome dream gan freshly toss his brain with bowers and beds and ladies' dear delight. But when he saw his labor was all vain, with that misformed sprite he back returned again. With that misformed sprite, meaning the dream Una, he back returned again, which means he turned back toward the false Una and abandoned the true Una chastely asleep in the other room. This dream sequence shows the powerful ambiguity of good being called evil and evil being called good. The Red Cross Knight cannot distinguish between the false dream Una and the true Una. He overrides his first impulse to kill the evil temptress. The Red Cross Knight willfully returns to his dream, just as earlier he willfully returned to the dragon's lair, thus placing him under Archimago's power. Meanwhile, the true Una sleeps peacefully, unaware of what has happened to her former happy night. Join us next week to see the dreadful consequences. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.